Hey, Kayana here. So I wanted to give you a quick update. It actually probably won't be that quick because I have a few things to run down in this episode, but I wanted to give you an update on everything that's been going on. As you know, for the last few weeks, I haven't been releasing proper episodes. And by proper, I mean part of the storyline to A Music and Men. Uh, but if you are just tuning into this, please go back to episode one. They are in sequential order. And listen from episode one, uh, episode 1.1, it's called. And for those who are very familiar with the project, you'll know that episode 1.1 is essentially the first few scenes of the novella slash TV show. It's so difficult to try to explain it if you don't already know how this thing is set up. But um, essentially, if you're just tuning in, and you've never heard anything before, you're like, hey, I just want to check out like the latest episode. Normally, we do not do episodes in this way. They are actually normally produced narrative episodes. The podcast episodes are broken up from the novella series, but they're different because they have a cold open. They have like a whole thing going with them. That's slightly different. It makes it a different experience from me just reading the novella because that would just be an audiobook. Um, so anyway, it's a different experience than the audio uh, than the book or the novellas or whatever. And it's a different experience from the TV show. But if you imagine uh, I wrote the TV show, uh, wrote the episodes for that, then took each of those episodes, turned them into their own novellas. And then from the podcast, I'm essentially breaking up those novellas into sections. So that's hence the numbering of it. So 1.1 is like the first couple of scenes of the book. 1.2 is the next and so on and so forth. So anytime you see one point something or two point something, that's actually the a, a portion of whatever the actual episode is. I had no intention of spending like two minutes going over that again, because everyone who knows this story knows that already. But in case you forgot, um, that's a little refresher course <laughs> for anyone who may be um, just tuning in. So big news. We finally did release after pushing things back uh, a few times for obvious reasons. And if it's not so obvious, it's because of the worldwide pandemic, in case you were under a rock and don't know that that's going on. But we had planned for an early April release of episode two of the novella series. So book two would, would have been coming out in early April, and then it was late April, and then it was early May, and now it's indefinitely when it comes to the actual print version of that. But sometime around late April, uh, Kamisha, who you've heard on the last couple of episodes. She's the publisher. She's the founder and the CEO of this burgeoning publishing company that I'm part of now. And they are overseeing the release of the books henceforth. <laughs> so um, she mentioned uh, a couple of episodes ago in an interview. I believe she mentioned I could have just been getting this mixed up with a phone call. So anyway, um, we have had to change the release date for everything a few times, just given the current situation. And what we, the compromise that we made was that we would give you the uh, digital version of the book, or at least make it available to you. 
And you can go on the website of musicandmen.com if you haven't already. Uh, you can download the, and you can do it for free if you want to. That's an option because I know times are hard. Um, times are hard for me uh, personally with some, you know, with some things. I've been blessed, so I'm not obviously not complaining at all. But um, if you do have uh, at least a buck, you know, a, a dollar to give, there's an option for that too. So you can pretty much pay what you want and you'll see the two buttons on there. So when you go to the website, you can enter your email address and it'll take you to the page. Or if you just want to just like, hey, let me just check out the page first. It will direct you. There's a link there to direct you to the page where you can read about uh, us having to push the release date back. It, it officially released to you this week, um, which is the week of May 10th. And for our patrons, they already got it. Like it just as a part of their patronage, they already had access to the book. They already had access to the book cover. Um, they knew what the cover looked like weeks ago. So those patrons, as I mentioned before, always have like this extra ticket. They're part of the team uh, just for being a patron They're They're part of the squad. So they get to see these things way before they're released. Um, and I'm putting some stuff up on Patreon today. I'm going to share slightly a little bit of it with you, but they're going to get the full Monty. You know, they're going to get everything because they're patrons. So if you're interested in being a patron, it's no no hurdles to jump through or anything like that. You can go to patreon.com slash ofmusicandmen. And if that is too hard to remember, just go to ofmusicandmen.com and info about how to become a patron. It, that info is on there as well. So what have I been doing? Uh, outside of releasing the book, that's been a lot on me because as I mentioned um, to you before, or if I haven't mentioned to you, I'll mention it now. Everything, pretty much everything that you see, or at least I'll say 97% of the stuff that you see, everything from the website to uh, the first book cover. Um, I didn't do this book cover for nothing but a number, which is the episode two, because I don't think I mentioned that. But I didn't do this book cover, but uh, I, I did guide that book cover because I wanted some continuity with the first book, which I did do the book cover for and layout and did everything for book one. Um, to producing this podcast, which I promise you, if you're just tuning in, the podcast isn't normally me rambling. It is normally a story with sound effects and music, beautiful music from international artists and local artists to DC and all of that. But, um, so I normally do a lot, a lot of stuff, uh, uh, by myself. So it's, it's pretty much been a one woman team for the last, uh, how long have I been working for the last probably seven, eight, seven to eight years working and developing this project until January, which I as I mentioned earlier, I just signed on with, um, Sovereign Noir Publishing uh, Publications, and that was just this January. So until then, I would maybe once in a while, maybe hire someone to do uh, like a, you know, go on Fiverr or something like that and get someone to do like a, a mock-up. I mean, something very, very, I mean, it was important, but it, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's something I could have done myself, but it just would take me too much time. Um, but other than that, everything else, um, and it's totally financial. I would love to hire and have a great team and all that. I'll talk about that later. But everything to this end 
um, has been done by one woman. Everything that you see has been done by one person. So, um, so I'm very excited about the release of episode two, Nothing But a Number. It's available to you on the website. Um, and for the first time, I have someone who is kind of helping out with some stuff, which is the publishing side of things and making sure that the book eventually will be available. And I'll have more information, uh, hopefully very soon, coming up uh, when exactly the physical book will be available. And when, because we're calling this a soft launch because it's only like the PDF version and it's pay as you can or pay what you can or whatever. But as soon as we get the physical version available, as soon as it's time in the world for it to be available, because a lot of people aren't ordering kind of random things like they normally would, um, we will definitely keep you updated on that. So anyway, so what have I been doing? I've been actually doing a lot. Uh, and I'm going to talk about some of those things here. So one of the things, I live in D.C., so one of the things that I will say uh, there are a few things I do admire about the city and the leadership in the city, uh, I'll say within maybe the last eight years, maybe, is they they try. <laughs> you know, like there's a lot of there's a lot of um, I talk to people in a lot of other cities that don't actually really try as hard for the arts. And I will say that just more recently and recently, meaning in the last maybe six to eight years. There've been there's been this effort to at least acknowledge the importance of the arts. So I have to give credit where credit is due. Nobody's perfect. No government obviously is perfect, but they have at least been trying and I've been the beneficiary of their efforts. So I was one of the three people chosen back in 2016 to intern on the show Veep, the HBO show, which was for me very life-changing to see how HBO uh, how a real TV show works. And you think about it, 2016, I was in the middle of, of Music and Men. Like, I started developing this in, tw in 2012. And in 2013 was when I really, I was deep into it, you know, like writing episodes and doing research, kind of learning the formatting of TV and learning my own formula for writing TV. Because I wrote a lot of stuff, but TV uh, wasn't necessarily something I was that skilled in. So by 16, to get the opportunity to work on an Emmy award-winning show, I mean, I was lowest at a totem pole, to be honest. I mean, the, uh, we were like PAs, which PAs are so necessary. But is when you look at totem poles, that's like the last person anybody really cares about <laughs> is the PA. So I was like, we were like, it was three people. And it was like, we were probably under the PAs, like PAs probably could tell us what to do, <laughs> come to think about it. Um, but it was an incredible experience, met some incredible people, got to see an incredible show and how it's how it comes together. There's like hundreds of people and they all have a place. I mean, coming from the indie film world, you're not used to seeing hundreds of people and they all have a place. You're used to seeing tens of people at most and they don't all have a place. They're all doing everything. I've worked on like my own sets. I've been the the cook on my own short film set. Like that's like <laughs> when it comes to craft services cuz you you know if you can't pay people the least you could do is try to feed them, right? So, I've been I remember doing a short, actually doing the short for of Music and Men back in 2014 
and I was the I was the the cook. I was the uh, craft services person, and I don't mean buying chips. I'm talking about making pancakes <laughs> and omelets, you know, and making dinner and stuff like that for the for my three man crew. I had like a three man crew. You know, but those are you remember times like that, okay? You remember those times when you were the the chef on your own film set, and you were the you know you were doing everything. But uh, but I'm again going off. But anyway, back to uh, Veep. That show has hundreds or had it's gone off now, but hundreds of people working uh, to pull together a show, and you saw the fruits of their labor you know, in, you know, all the Emmys that they won. And I remember like probably a year later after that, watching the show, because the show is one of my favorite shows. It's just, I love that kind of dry comedy. And they had my name in the credits. And it's just like, for you to really just be nowhere in your career at that point and wanting to have a H, even if it's not an HBO show, but it's an HBO style of show. This of Music and Men is an HBO style of like I can see it being on HBO, um, to to be watching an HBO show, and even though it was like at the end of the credits, to see your name in the credits of an HBO show, it's just like, I mean, I can't even I can't even tell you how that felt. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm saying all that to say that uh, that opportunity was something that the administration in D.C. right now was able to offer its residents because the show taped a good percentage. I'm not sure the percentage. Uh, it may have been 25 percent, 30 percent of the show was taped here or filmed here in D.C. or the D.C. area. And that was offered up. They were looking for three people who, and I don't know how they chose it, but I'm just glad I was one of them. And it was a pretty eye-opening and life-changing experience. But um, as far as more recently, I have been applying for some of the, they have arts grants for individuals, not just um, organizations or, you know, a lot of times we associate when the city is giving, and a city is giving out money that it's for, it's for other people or for other organizations. It's not for little old us. And I will have to say that, you know, I have been the beneficiary and I've been um, trying to be the beneficiary more of things, of opportunities like that. So. Um, yeah, it's it's just having the chance to apply to things in the city. And then, of course, there are other opportunities and things outside of uh, outside of just D.C. where they're looking to help fellowships, residencies, things like that, where they're looking to help artists. I've been really focusing on trying to do that um, more recently and trying to, f- to make the time to focus on those kinds of opportunities and those kinds of connections. So. Uh, that's one of the things that I've been doing. So keep your fingers crossed <laughs> because I know mine, my fingers are crossed um, with the hopes that something like that comes about. And I also have been really open to uh, having a great mentor. Um, I, I've I've had a few people who've been sort of distant mentors or um, just not not the same kind of intimate relationship that I want to have with someone who knows more, who's been there, who's done that, and who can kind of, you know, talk shop with uh, with me and, and kind of give me feedback and insight about this industry that I am probably going to work <laughs> very closely to, if not adjacent to in some way, um, 
maybe not as, I, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, but I do want to have some involvement with uh, the entertainment industry uh, as it, like the the old guard. I don't want to be necessarily a part of the old guard, but I definitely want to work alongside it. That's why I'm trying to choose my words wisely. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've been definitely looking forward to and, and hoping for opportunities to have a mentor. There are some people I would love to love to have that, <laughs> that job, but you know, you can't force anything on people. One thing though, I will say I was super excited about, and she probably doesn't even care about, like, this is not a memory for her, but it's a memory for me, like the Veep thing. Um, Tanya Siracho, and if you don't know her, she is the creator of, I recently found this show. Uh, I heard about it before, but I didn't have the network stars. Like that just was never a part of my, of my package. And I've always had like streaming services anyway. Um, but I never, I just never had stars. But anyway, uh, I was able to get connected to her and she's, uh, I recently found her show, which is called Vita. And I swear, guys, I'm telling you, when I I, I looked at like the first scene, because Stars was offering, you know, when COVID first started, Stars was offering like free week or free episodes. I can't remember, but they were offering something where I could see it. And I was like, oh, okay. I remember hearing this woman because I'm always listening to interviews with people in my industry. Like every day I'm listening to interviews with people in the film and TV industry. And I remember hearing Tanya talk to um, Kim Masters, who I listened to Kim. I've been listening to Kim for years on uh, her show, The Business. So I remember it, it felt more recent, but it wasn't that recent. It was actually like back in September 2019. But I felt it felt more recent where Tanya had talked to Kim. And, you know, I just made a mental note like, oh, you know, she seems cool. And I would I definitely would check out her show when I got the opportunity to. So I, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into the how, the who, what, when, where, and of it all, but I watched her show and fell in, I mean, fell in love. And it it takes a lot for me to fall in love with a show. I'm very, most things I just kind of like, I don't love. Uh, I watch a lot of TV and I like a lot of TV, but I don't love a lot of TV. But I watched this show and one of the first things that came to mind was like, this is what I want of music and men to look like. I want it to taste like this. Like the, I mean, she's a showrunner, I believe. And she, man, she really hired some incredible writers. She hired incredible, she cast incredible actors. Uh, (laughs) Incredible fellow directors. Uh, But it was like, when, when you watch the show, even the first few scenes, just look at the pilot, the first few scenes. When you, when you, and hopefully, hopefully you guys can can sense what I'm talking about. When you see it, it's got a fabric to it. The photography is just, oh my god, like it's, it's so beautiful, and the coloring of it, and the the just everything. And this the way that I'm talking now, where it sounds like I'm salivating over something. That's the way that I felt watching this show, and I was like, when I do of music and men, whenever that may be. I wanted to taste like this. Like I wanted to have this flavor. That show got me excited. But somehow I was able to get connected to her. And I don't want to go into the whole, maybe I'll put it on Patreon. I don't want to go into the whole how of it all. But I got connected to her and we were able to 
you know, exchange some correspondences. And she is such a such a beautiful person. You know, every once in a while you meet people in the in the industry and you 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 don't have really well, at least I don't. I don't really have any expectations for people like because I've been disappointed a lot. Like I'm not even going to go into a complaint fest about the disappointment. People who even you've worked with or you thought you knew a lot better, just ignore you, ignore your emails. Don't you know, don't respond to you. Um, there's a lot of that and you can't necessarily take it personal, but you can't help but take it personal because it was happened to you. So to have this exchange with her over like a two week period of, you know, we're talking back and forth and she's receptive and she's, you know, she just was, she's one of the finer people that I've met so far in this journey, (laughs) you know, and I hope to meet her in person and I hope to one day work with her. Um, She left that kind of impression. So I even after that, like, I think I had watched maybe, maybe um, a few episodes of Vita. I knew I was going to finish watching because it was just that good, but I went up there and signed up for stars, right? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and I'm, and I told you, I'm not even sitting on a bunch of money, but they had like a free trial or something like that on or Amazon, something I already have, but I, I made sure that I could see Vita. I can get caught up on it. And that was before the third season, the third and final season um, premiered. But I'm pretty much caught up with it now, uh, at least the first two seasons. And I'm telling you, this is, this, it kept it up. Like the, the pilot wasn't just the only thing that looked good, sound good, taste good. Like the whole show is just, and Rotten Tomatoes will tell you, like, the thing got 100 on every every season on Rotten Tomatoes. So, anyway, I've been, um, speaking of Vita, I've been studying a lot. I've signed up for, I'm always taking classes for um, for screenwriting mostly. Um, sometimes I'll do, like, directing classes or some other kinds of filmmaking classes. But 90% of the classes that I do are in some way related to to screenwriting. Um, because it's such a technical artistic craft. It's it's one of the crafts that I feel like can blend the technical aspect, especially when you are a director like myself. So you, you know, again, not going to go into the minutia of all of that, but it's very beneficial to hear what other people, uh, teachers and other masters have to say about what you, what they feel like you should do. And you can look at your own stuff and say, you know, I don't agree, <laughs> you know, when you get comfortable enough in your writing. But you can definitely, at least for me, I'm not that vain where I'm always disagreeing. I definitely always see room for implementing their notes uh, or implementing any kinds of style additions that they may have um, to suggest in these classes. So I've been, you know, doing that. And I've been doing a lot of studying of hour-long TV. Of Music and Men is a half an hour, um, which is why, uh, as you can see with the novellas, once you crack those open, they're not super long books. I mean, those little books are maybe 15,000 words. That's because they were, uh, I used the the TV episodes, the TV scripts that I had already written for each of those episodes. I used those as essentially like the blueprints for the book. And then for the book, just kind of fill in the gaps of describing places, describing thoughts, describing feelings. You don't do all of that in a t- when you're writing a TV episode. You don't do so much um, telling of the story. You kind of more so show the story. Um, so anyway, I've been studying not half an hour's anymore. I did a lot of studying half an hour's when I was writing of music and men as TV scripts. 
But uh, I'm doing more studying of hour longs, the hour long drama. Um, I'm a huge fan of like Grey's Anatomy and Law and Order SVU. And I've even written some of those specs. Uh, and as I mentioned before, if you're not into TV, a spec is, is well, it can be two things, but a spec in the way that I'm using it now is when you write sort of an example or your version of an existing, uh, a pre-existing TV show. So I've, I have written in the past, years ago, um, a spec for like Grey's Anatomy or a spec for um, like Law & Order, just, you know, stuff like that for the fun of it, because at that time I was still studying TV writing in general. So I wrote those, um, you know, and never, obviously nothing happened with them because they were just specs. But now I have... I've had an idea for an hour long for years. I even wrote the treatment for it, wrote the show Bible for it. A show Bible is a document that show writers or creators will create that gives whoever is going to be, it, it actually gives you as the writer kind of a uh, a guideline for like who are the characters, what are happening, what's happening in each of the episodes, what is the show, what's the summary, what's the log line, like a synopsis of it, short synopsis. It gives you everything you want to know about the show, um, the style of it, the, the feel of it, the look of it, and what is it comparable to. Um, so it gives you all of that and it kind of helps as you are moving forward with writing the eventual pilot that hopefully you'll write after doing the Bible. But I had actually done the Bible for this show that I had an idea for a couple of years ago, but I never wrote the actual pilot for it. I, I wrote the Bible, but never the pilot. And I felt like I had the wherewithal to, to know that I personally, personally was not ready as a writer. Like this show was bigger than me. It had themes. And all of this was written in the treatment uh, and in the Bible, but it had themes and it had there was an approach that I knew it needed that I wasn't writer enough yet, if that makes sense. I, I wasn't there yet as a writer to be able to pull this off, but I had the wherewithal to know that. And so I never wrote it. Like this was 2000, maybe 17 that I came up with the show, maybe even 16. So that would have been a good four years ago, but wrote out everything, the characters, even wrote out who I wanted to play it, who I wanted to play the main character. And had a vision for it, but just never pulled the trigger on even starting the pilot. But guys, I mean, I tell you, it's, it's amazing, like just, ha just writing so much and studying so much as I do, because I do write an awful lot. Um, when this COVID thing hit, uh, I pulled out that pilot and this was probably, I have it written down. It was actually March the, March the 12th, I believe. And I looked at the pilot again and I was like, hmm, this is, you know, I think I, I think I might want to try to tackle this. I have the time. We're, we're kind of sitting home. I kind of will eventually need to take a break from Of Music and Men simply because the book is coming out. Just, you know, I, I had no excuse for not at least trying to tackle the pilot. Within three weeks, and this is probably 20 days exactly, I was able to outline that pilot and write the first draft. And then four more days, wrote the second draft of it. And then I've been tweaking on that second draft ever since then. And I tell you, like, I got so excited once that was done. And that's, that's a pretty fast turnaround for me to write 
because the actual writing of the pilot only took nine days. I actually documented it on my calendar, like starting the outline now and then starting the actual pilot now. And I'm not going to go into like what specifically the show is about. Um, I mean, it is copyrighted and everything, you know, Writers Guild stuff, but uh, I will say that it's comparable to I would say it was com- it's comparable to Lucifer, the show that was on Fox, now on Netflix. It's comparable to Lucifer. I would say Lucifer meets Ghost Whisperer. Now, I would advise looking at both of those shows. So both of them kind of deal with uh, somewhat supernatural, spiritual stuff. They're both hour-long dramas. One was on CBS. I believe Ghost Whisperer was CBS. It feels CBS if it wasn't. And then Lucifer, I know, was on Fox. So it had it was spicy. You know, Fox can be a little... Fox has a little risque in them, <laughs> if you know how the, the, the feeling of these networks. Like, CBS can sometimes come across as a little middle America-ish, uh, a little conservative. Nothing wrong with that. But um, Ghost Whisperer fit right in there. It was a little wholesome. And then Lucifer was... Everything But Wholesome, obviously, even with the title, both incredible shows. And I mean incredible shows. And um, I'm giving them that much credit. And then I'm saying I wrote one just like it. But (laughs) I I hope that it will, you know, my goal is for it to be in the arena of those two shows, um, a mixture of them. So it's a weird mixture to have something so wholesome with something so, so not wholesome. But it kind of blends. It walks the line between the two of them. It does deal with death. Um, but one thing I will say is that it it's not off-brand. Even though it does touch on, it has a smidge of fantasy. It has a smidge of crime. It do, It's not off-brand for me. Um, and the reason why I can say that is because I was listening to someone, and I wish I can give credit, but I'm not sitting in front of, Ah, I'm not sitting in front of his name right now, but I was listening to a podcast um, recently and a writer was saying, this is a very, very uh, skilled, seasoned writer, TV writer. And he was saying that all writers should have a sort of like a brand, like they should have a personal theme, like something that is their, their, their stank. If that makes sense to you, like it's it's something that's that's like your thing that kind of smothers all of your writing, no matter what genre, even if you cross genres a little bit or if you 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 might want to write. Let's say if you did write a comedy one day and then the next day you wrote a hard drama, it's still something about you, something about your theme, your personal theme that kind of is just in the work. And if you've listened to the last few episodes uh, with the interviews of me talking with Kamisha, I mentioned and she mentioned a lot the existentialism that hovers over of music and men. And that is actually a a piece that I would say maybe a a theme or that's part of my personal theme. It's a thing that hovers over all of my work. Like I looked at once I realized a few years ago that existentialism and and spirituality and kind of asking those big questions about purpose and um, just all of that, it, it in some way, no matter how dark or how how heavy the drama is, because I have a, a a basketball piece, a feature film that I really would love 
I can't wait for it to come out. I mean, I can't wait to make it. I'm talking about coming out. I can't wait for it for it to even be made, picked up, and and embraced, um, and and cast it, and all of that good stuff. But it's a heavier drama that deals with suicide. But uh, it, it it it's it's another piece that I would say has a, that overarching theme of purpose and existentialism and per and just who are we? Why are we here? That kind of stuff that kind of even if those questions aren't explicitly asked in the piece, you can feel it hovering over. And I have a few more feature films. And then, of course, like I said, looking back at them or even looking forward into them, the ones that I already know I'm going to write, in some way, shape, or form, the character or group of characters, they're asking that. They're asking these kind of bigger life questions. So with this hour long that I just wrote that I'm so excited about, like I'm saying so excited, but you can't see my face. Like I like every day I wait, I've wait, I've awakened every day since starting it. And I just can't wait to start writing it. Can't wait to edit it. Can't wait to rewrite it. Can't wait to, you know, send it to, I just sent it to someone today to read, um, to kind of give me some notes on what works and what doesn't, but I'm, I'm so in love with it because I know what it could be and what it will be, what it should be. But it, even with it being a somewhat, it's a drama, but with a little bit of crime and a little bit of fantasy in it, it still has that, that, that stank on it, that, that Kayana, you know, feeling of, of a little bit of existentialism that's sprinkled in there. It's like, but I think it's more so in the second person. I think it's more so asking you this time. Normally the characters like with Kenya, she's, it's me, you know, it's, it's, how do how do I feel about age or how do I feel about making plans and how what is what is it about my place in the world? But I think with this piece, it kind of tells it or it's kind of written with sort of the second person asking of the questions in mind, sort of how do you feel about your place in the world? How would you feel about dying prematurely or, you know, it, it kind of is more so bringing the audience into the question versus asking and and then asking the audience to to think about it too. So it's, it's slightly different in that way, but I think the again the fantasy side of it. Um, and I want I was just about to tell you who I would want to play this character, but I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to say like right now I want to see this woman play because this is a woman, obviously that's the main character. I don't want to say yeah I would love to have this actress and then like in a year or two when it's picked up we we get like another actress and she'd be like. Oh, I thought you wanted somebody else to play it like somebody else was your dream. So I'm not even going to say who. <laughs> but um, when I first thought of the character, this is a specific actress. And you know what? I'm going to remember this. And if if that's the actress that ends up playing the role, I'm going to come back and be like, yeah, that's who I was talking about. That's who I had in mind. But um, I'm not going to say who who she is, though. But just just keep in mind. But if you think about some of some of your favorite or even some of my favorite directors or just directors in general may not be my favorite, but if you think about it, think about like Tarantino. Sometimes you can cut on a Tarantino movie and you just know, like something about the way it feels, the way it's shot, the way the the, the dialogue of it, you know it's a Tarantino film. Something about it, you know it is. And even like Ava DuVernay doesn't have the catalog of Tarantino yet. But you can look at some of her work and you go, oh, that's some Ava stuff. Like that's some that's some Duvernay, got some Duvernay stank on it. You know what I mean? Like she's she's getting to that point where even when she ventured off and did the fantasy movie, it still felt something about it still had her feeling in it. 
And it's, it's sometimes you can't, I can't even put it all into words. Like even with Tarantino and I've watched everything he's ever made. I can't put into words what it is, but I just know that it's Tarantino when I, you know, when I see it. And the same thing with, like, for instance, me and my friend, good friend of mine, really big M. Night Shyamalan fans. Like, <laughs> like we just love his stuff. And it's like for a while, when you would watch an M. Night film, you kind of was expecting the twist. It's sort of like that with Christopher Nolan, too. It's like um, something about their movies you almost know to expect to be tricked at some point. Like, both of them kind of like to, to do that. Now, of course, M. Night is a little, has a little bit of Hitchcock in him where he kind of kind of uh, has a sci-fi-ish or horror or thriller kind of suspense. He has that feeling, that undertone to his work, too. Whereas with Nolan, his is more, um, the aesthetic of it is a little bit more, like, action-driven kind of psychological action stuff a lot. Um, but for me, funny enough, I kind of see, now this is like big dreams. I kind of see as a director my stuff being, um, this is going to surprise you a little bit if you know directors, but I kind of relate most to Darren Aronofsky's mo- movies. Like I watch Mother. Like I'm not even going to get into a whole spiel because I could talk about this stuff forever. But um, Black Swan was one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, I can, I can watch that movie over and over. But his stuff, like, I can see myself doing stuff similar to his. Now, that's a far cry from Of Music and Men. I know you're thinking, like, Black Swan and Of Music and like, nothing about those two things is similar. But I think Arnofsky, he, he, he be asking, like, the hard questions. And I had to say it like that. Like, he be asking... like the hard questions and when I become a master like him because to me he's one of my masters like when I become uh at that point I want to be able to take the risks because I think he takes some serious risks in his work I just love his work and I can watch anything he makes so that was just a little spiel about um you know if you're again if you're a movie if you're into movies and I wouldn't even call myself a buff but I'm like really into um, film, filmmaking, uh, that kind of thing. And, and I do like to study folks. And again, as a writer, you definitely want to have your, your, um, your thing, your, your feeling, your theme that you can sprinkle into everything. And no matter the genre, it's a little bit of you that's sprinkled in there. So it's something comforting about that uh, when you're writing. So this one is way outside of my wheelhouse. It was very difficult, right? And writers might be like, well, it only took two weeks to write. Well, you know, the first the first draft is always trash. I, the rewrite was was a pretty big dump. It was a pretty big rewrite for me. But I was still excited about that. Finally getting out and finally feeling like I was writer enough after three or four years of sitting on this project, feeling, honestly feeling confident and good enough about what I could do to even start doing it. And then the the turnout of it was was amazing. So, um, yeah, so super excited about that. Hopefully I will be able to share more about that project at some point. Don't know how soon that will be. It's in the early stages. I probably will be submitting it into, like, you know, contests and things like Because that's just what writers do. You know, we, we kind of vain sometimes. We want somebody to tell us it's good. You want to submit it somewhere. You hope, even if even if you know it's trash, you kind of hope that, 
you know, you'll submit it to a, pro, a, a, a contest and win the thing. Um, so I'll probably be doing that just to, to kind of stroke my own ego um, very soon. So I will actually be sharing on my For the Patrons uh, what inspired that story. So that's the little tidbit. That's another little tidbit that my patrons will get because it's a very fascinating story that even inspired the hour-long pilot a few years ago. And it's a personal story, something that happened to me that kind of triggered a string of thoughts that was like, what if I had died, you know, during this situation? And so I'll share that um, portion of the story with the patrons and they'll hear that backstory. And when the show becomes a big hit on some network, um, you'll remember you heard it here first if you're a patron, but if not, go on over there and become a patron so you can hear that backstory um, of personal story that happened to me that deals with death and how I uh, handled it as a writer. So um, one of the other things that we've been doing with that I've been doing it with Sovereign Noir Publications is we have been I'm not a publicist. <laughs> like let me just get that out of the way. I love what those people do. I need a publicist. I would love to have a publicist. Publicists are very expensive a lot of times. Um but I'm working on that. I'm working on getting some, you know, some marketing people. I want, you know, to build the team up the right way. And I want the right folks to be a part of the team. And so I am looking into potential partnerships and whether it's a person or a company or a group of a group of individual people who uh, come on board. I have a dream team, like a list of people, of types of people I will want to be a part of the team. And that's one of those things you can't really make happen. But you can put it out into the universe. So that's me doing it right now that I'm looking for the right people to come on board and be a part of making this project much bigger than um, even I anticipated. Like I have big dreams, but I want it to be bigger than those dreams. So um, so right now that's what I'm doing, talking to people. But anyway, about the, the press, the PR stuff. So, so the publishing company wrote, a couple of uh, media releases. And then on my end, I wrote a couple of media releases. So if you have the time, follow me on, follow Music and Men and me on social media. I'll be sharing some of the outlets because what what's going to happen is once these media releases are out there, some publications are going to pick it up. And... Um, yeah, so I want you to, you know, follow us there and I'll share with you some of these new some of these stories that are going to be written. One of the other goals is to get more interviews and more not only more uh opportunities to talk about of music and men cuz I love talking about it. I think it's a wonderful uh idea for a show and I think it's necessary for particularly young women, particularly young women of color to see themselves reflected in someone like Kenya Shaw, who is bootstrapping her own business and who ultimately will become someone and something very important to the culture. <laughs> but um, 
I'll be. I want you to, you know, follow us, and then you'll get the opportunity to uh, see what the press is talking about. Whether that's through the stories that we create, because I'm trying to shape some stories on my end, and Sovereign Noir shaping stories on their end. And then you also will get the chance to see other people and what they have to say about of music and men. Because when you do this kind of press stuff, from what I hear, because I have no idea what I'm doing. When it comes to, to doing the press thing, like from the end of like being your own publicist type of thing, I've taken a little, you know, a few little classes and read some articles about it. It's not my thing. I don't want to do it myself. You know, they have classes like be your own publicist. I'm going to try a little bit, but that is something I want to leave to the experts. Um, I definitely want the experts to do that because it's not my thing. But you, you'll definitely get the opportunity to see what other people are saying about the story um, whether it's the novella or whether it's the podcast. Um, yeah, so I want to keep you up to date and I'll try my best to do that through social media. And that's another thing. Love to have a social media person because I suck at it. I'm too busy writing pilots and doing ugh, God knows what websites, books and all that kind of stuff. Podcast. It's a little hard to you know, be self-congratulatory on social media. It's very hard for me to do that. But um, it's, they tell me it's necessary. I, I'm just going to go ahead and try to believe them. I, I, who am I to say otherwise? <laughs> but anyway, um, stay up to date with us and you can go to anywhere at Of Music and Men. That's Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of them. And just go to at of music and men that's pretty easy and then you can hit me up at kiana ebony brown everywhere except twitter be a little funny with the the characters apparently my name is too long so it's i am kiana on twitter and i'll be sharing this uh the news stories uh well sharing the information that's being put out there and, and that's coming back to us on social media and you can get updates as long as you want to or as much as i put about there on social media so that's all I have for today. I've rambled long enough um, and I haven't forgotten to go on over to Patreon where I will be sharing the backstory to how I came up with the pilot that I just finished writing, the hour long pilot that will hopefully be on somewhere very soon. I know it's going to be on somewhere because I think it's really good, but hopefully that'll be sooner rather than later after the whole COVID thing. But thanks again for tuning in, and I will catch you next week. Music for this episode was provided by Legang. You can check them out at This Is Legang everywhere, and this will be queued up in your show notes. <laughs>